Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Dresmick Wicked is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again. Cutting into the margin, but it's Mick Wicked. Four years later, back at the top of the sport. Homicide Hunter who sweeps past on the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and 4, the fastest trotter ever. Dewey did some good down the boulevard of broken dreams. Walter Meister coming at him. Walter Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Giddy Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rocket Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rocket Ron, bit of a legend on the outside. Bit of a legend. This year's battle champion. Twenty-three and one. Homeward bound in gold cup and soccer. Fifty-nine somewhere. Fenty rocking in heaven. Rose Run West is there. Here is the French connection. The alerts have won it. Fine. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviar Alley in full gear outside. Sharton's starting to feel it. Caviar Alley all out. Sharton digging deep. Sharton's going to dig in here and get the win here. Sharton up on the front end. Then none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. Gideon. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike with co-host Mike Carter. Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again, tough as nails! And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Time once again, don't touch that dial. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. And Mike, it's almost that time. You finally get to go back to work. It's it, that's it, right. It, so, this is the this is the day I look forward to all year long. <laughs> I wasn't that bad this <laughs> off season. No, <laughs> no. I was pretty good this off season, but uh, yeah, tomorrow afternoon, twelve twenty-five to start. There is Philly is back and rolling. One hundred and fifty racing days. I'm so looking forward to it. It's supposed to be a very nice day here on the East Coast. Actually, a very nice couple of days. It's supposed to get up to, I believe, the high sixties tomorrow and close to seventy-five on Saturday. So, how cool is that? Send me some of that heat, will you? And, and you know, all joking aside, uh, you know, we've got a guest lineup we got to get to. and uh, But what, let's kind of talk about Harris Philly a little bit. Uh, and, they're, you know, some of the things kind of coming up. You guys have some big stakes races uh, throughout the race meeting. And uh, it's a pretty exciting meet for you guys. 
That's right. Well, Pennsylvania Sire Stakes finals, of course, are always a fun thing, you know, especially with the with the real good purses. But, you know, one of the days I look forward to uh, is uh, coming up in May, and that is the uh, big stakes day that we have at Harris, Philadelphia, the Betsy Ross, of course. Uh, and I'll tell you, that's uh, a race usually goes for about one hundred seventy five, two hundred thousand dollars. That is a race for aged mares on the pace. And just judging by some of the talent in the older mayor division uh, this year, including uh, led by uh, a horse by the name of Chartin. You may or may not have heard of her. But uh, <laughs> but if you just look, Mike, up and down, especially at this, the blue chip matchmaker. I mean, we're already in leg yep. three of that along with the Levy, but you could just tell how deep the crowd is and how deep the talent is for the older uh, mares. A lot of them have either N's or A's at the end of their name, but Nonetheless, it is uh, an, just a great, great division. So I'm expecting to see a lot of those horses that do well in the ma- do well in the matchmaker to see them at the Betsy Ross, um, and of course the Maxi Lee for the older trotters. That is always great, and we also have a uh, a race for older pacers as well. That kind of changes names. I don't know what the name it's going to be this year, but uh, that kind of changes name. I know last year was named after Ben Stafford, and the year before uh, Jerry Taylor. So. It's a fantastic meet. It's a great place to watch a race. You're right on the riverfront. Um, you know, the weather uh, is going to be enough. It's going to get nothing but warmer as we, you know, head towards summer. So uh, 150 days of madness, buddy, and I am ready. 1225 to start. We race every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Sundays at 1240. Well, you'll see me out there uh, once in a blue moon. I always tend to take a vacation right around November, and Mike's gracious enough to let me call a few races, so I appreciate that. And uh, if you've never been to Harris, Philadelphia, you got to check it out. You really, really got to check it out. It's a one-of-a-kind racetrack, especially when you see the bridge heading into the first turn. It is, uh, it's definitely something worth seeing. Well, you know what, Mike? It really is. It is an engineering marvel. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a one-of-a-kind racetrack. I don't think there'll ever be another like it. I mean, to actually have a bridge – I mean, just to think about that for a second. To actually have a turn that is a bridge that actually goes over the Delaware River, I mean, that's unbelievable. It really is right. unbelievable. And, uh, you know, the, the scenery is great. I mean, you always see me take pictures of the ships. You have all kind of ships uh, going by. So uh, it's it's really a unique racing environment and uh, one that you should certainly check out. All right. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to the Harris Philadelphia meet, but we're also looking forward to this show and we're going to it's highlighted by Matt Kruger, Mike, and uh, Matt was in that very serious accident at Papado Park last week. We are going to have exclusive an exclusive interview with him about how he's recovering from those injuries and uh, what went down. You know, one of the things drivers face every time they go on a racetrack, you know, every time they lace up the boots, so to speak, and strap on that helmet is uh, the reality that you're going 40 miles an hour, you know, behind a horse with uh, eight or nine others trying to win. And, uh, you know, it's uh, and these guys are pros. They make it look so easy race in and race out. But every once in a while we have situations, you know, like this, like, like in every other sport, you know, you have situations where you have injuries and so forth. And uh, I'll tell you what, we are blessed that uh, things weren't more serious for Matt Kruger. So uh, he's recovering and, you know, we're going to have a chance to talk with him about that. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, I mean, these guys, 
They're uh, they're it, 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 like I say, they make it look really easy. They're pros out there. I mean, some of the moves they make, some of the holes they get into. It's uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Like I say, I jogged one once in my life, and that was at a backtrack at Pompano, going about three <laughs> miles an hour, and uh, I had some uh, brown stuff in the back of my pants after I got off that. Oh so, my gosh! <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, these guys, what these guys do is amazing. Yeah, they are, and that's for sure. And you know, I went on a uh, training mile with uh, Tony Alani and the gang, and it's incredible just how fast and how exhilarating uh, that stuff is. So we're going to talk with Matt Kruger, who also works with uh, the Tony Alani gang, uh, uh, probably around the top of the hour. We're also going to talk to Austin Siegelman. Boy, what a week he had! Um, he actually led the Harness Racing Fan Zone Driver Madness Tournament in the number of wins until Tim Tietrich scoot, scooted by with uh, 18. But I'll tell you what, talk about Austin Siegelman and the uh, the type of year he's having so far. Yeah, especially over the last couple of weeks, and he knocked out my Michigan guy, Billy Dobson. So uh, oh, yeah. Billy's gonna be <laughs> Billy's gonna be riding pines, and Austin's going through advance. But I'll tell you what, Austin's got a tough uh, task in the second round as he will face uh, Jim Morrill Jr. And uh, Jim's having a, a pretty darn good start to the meet at Pocono in his own right. So that's gonna be interesting. This whole tournament is interesting, Mike. You know, Tim Tietrich advance. He's gonna take on Mike Cole, who I guess it's kind of an upset. Defeated one of our good friends, Corey Callahan. You've got Chris Page. DePolitano Jr., uh, Dave Pallone, Ronnie Wren Jr. That's going to be an interesting matchup, by the way, Mike. Pallone and Wren. Um, Ryan Stahl advanced. So did Brett Miller. I believe that was Wendy Ross's pick. Uh, yep. He's still alive. Uh, Wally Hennessy advances. He's taken on uh, uh, Jim DeVoe. And then you've got uh, Jay Randall against uh, Mike Simons. And uh, Luke Plano, some California love. He's uh, him and Steve Wiseman actually. That's the Cal yeah. Expo matchup. Yeah, right the two so, Cal guys are going to go at it. The, so good stuff, man. This is good stuff. I, I, you know, anything that you know pits these pits people together in a tournament style, I'm a sucker for. I love. So it's certainly going to be interesting. And uh, what about our Levy tournament, Mike Carter? That is down to the Sweet 16. And can you believe that the champ is still alive? But Mike Carter, you were busy. There were a few inquiries. And a one that's got to go into overtime, and that probably was the highest-profile matchup of the tournament to this point between uh, Mike Probozzi from uh, Nahu and Garnett Barnsdale. Oh, yeah, that that was probably the most heated, contested uh, battle that we've seen. And talking about it on social media on uh, Saturday night, I had to really quickly jot down the scores, and I said to them both, I said, I think you're tied, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to have to wait till I get home. And yeah, we were talking, I, I made a few mistakes this week, but Hey, you know what? We're, we're down to, we're down to the final 16 and you know, scoring for me anyway, gets easier as we go. Thank goodness. That's a, that's, well, well, I'll tell you what inquiries and, and uh, you know, a uh, Derek Gibner had to file an objection. I think uh, he, he got <laughs> his inquiry was sustained. So uh, he's able to advance and, uh, Good stuff, but uh, congratulations to everybody in the final 16, and uh, we're going to send an email out after this show. But I, I'm thinking pretty much when you get down to 16, everybody's going to turn in their picks. So uh, once again, if you haven't, uh, what time are we giving them to, Mike? To 11, 11.30, 12 o'clock, something along those lines. As long as they're in before midnight, we'll be, you know, we'll be okay. Uh, just don't expect the score sheet to be out um, until tomorrow. 
All right, so make sure you get them in once again. Email your picks to post time or to Mike at post time with Mike and Mike dot com. And congratulations to everybody that made the Sweet Sixteen because you are not too far away from the pay round, which of course is the final four. You're two games away from the pay round. Real quick before we get to the timeout and get to Austin Siegelman, I do want to let everybody know that later on today. Uh, we're going to have an article on our website. And, uh, Mike, I had so much fun putting together this article. It's our series on Winback Farms. Larry and Jackie Drysdale, uh, two people that uh, obviously they're married, but they have been in business uh, at Winback Farm working together for a long, long, long time. And both of them just recently retired. They got a very, very uh, nice award from the Ontario Breeders Association. So that article is coming out a little bit later on today. I'll keep everybody up to date on social media and catch it out. You can catch it at post time with Mike and Mike.com. Real, real, two great, great people. Mike had so much fun putting together that article and you can catch that a little bit later on. We've got Austin Siegelman, Matt Kruger, uh, Derek Givner is going to be joining us as well, Mike. I called him a handicapping guru. I think you know. <laughs> no, I think he, he didn't seem to like. No, I don't. I can't tell if he liked it or not. To be honest with you. No, he likes it. He likes it. So he's going to be joining us on the program. We're going to go over the Levy series with him. Plus, you and I will touch on the blue chip matchmaker. And we've got a very good pacing for the Cure segment coming up uh, towards uh, probably around 1130 or so. Janine Gessick talks about autoimmune diseases and just not multiple sclerosis, but autoimmune disease is a pretty uh, big um, umbrella. It, uh, it affects a lot of different people. And uh, we're going to uh, get more on that with Janine Gessick. Post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Austin Siegelman is coming back. It's also presented by the USTA. Back in a moment. At Bet America, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar. And it's been said that fortune favors the bold, and we're all in at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Join us as we kick off the live racing season with an epic fan appreciation weekend, Friday, March 29th and Saturday, March 30th, for champion harness racing, new bets, folder promotions, free family events, live entertainment, giveaways, and more, starting at 6.30 p.m. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino is big, fast, folder, and we want you to be a part of it. Visit HarrisHoosierPark.com for more info. The Meadowlands racing season is just heating up with large fields, bigger purses, nightly promotions, and some of the greatest restaurants in New Jersey. There are plenty of places to catch all of the exciting action. First post on Friday and Saturday nights is 715. For more information and reservations, call 201-THE-BIG-M or visit PlayMeadowlands.com. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the barn. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association and Bet America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and Mike uh, about to be joined by Austin Siegelman, who had a really, really big week um, in New York. But I'll tell you what, his career is really blossoming and taking off. 
Yeah, it certainly has, and he's really made a – I think he's starting to stamp himself here in 2019, and uh, I'll tell you what, he, if you look at the uh, Harness Racing Fan Zone Driver Madness Tournament, he unseated one of my Michigan guys, Billy Dobson, so uh, – you know, that's all right, but uh, Billy's a good guy. But the Austin has made it. He's going to have his hands full with Jim Morrill Jr., and uh, we'll see what he thinks about the tournament and other things, Mike. All right, we're bringing now Austin Siegelman. And, Austin, first question to you. i tell you, what a week you had. And, you know, it's amazing to see some of the things you've done so far in 2019. Are you surprised by the success that you've had this year so far? Uh, I am a little surprised by it. I didn't expect to win this many races this year, but – you know, a lot of it's from Monticello, which which really gives me a big push. Austin Siegelman, Mike Bozich here. Let's. Uh, it's been a while since we've. I think we had you on the show probably about a year and a half, two years ago. So let's yeah. kind of refresh everybody's memory. I think uh, the Siegelman name is pretty synonymous to a lot of people that follow the sport of harness racing. But uh, tell us about yourself back in the early days, kind of how you got started in the sport of racing and what made you want to be a driver. Uh, you know what? My dad always trained a, a small stable as I was growing up, and I really didn't get that much into it until I was in high school. And then I figured, uh, you know, I'd give driving horses a shot to do a year of college. I really didn't like it, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to go drive race horses or try to. Now, Austin, what is it like to kind of be on the racetrack each and every night to know that there has to be, you know, some exhilaration in being out there with the horses? It, what is that feeling like for you when you're out there driving? Um, it's, you know, lately, cause I drive so much. I'm really just, as soon as I hit the track, I'm just in the zone with whatever horse I'm driving. You know, I enjoy it. I enjoy driving so many different horses cause they're all different and you know, they're all kind of a challenge to drive the ones that I drive, but, uh, you know, I love it. Visiting with driver Austin Siegelman. Now, Austin, of course, you've been driving a lot at Monticello, but you've also been kind of stamping yourself at Yonkers, and in particular getting uh, some drives in the George Morton Levy Series. Talk about the difference driving between uh, a track like Monticello and a track like Yonkers, even though they're both half miles. Oh, there's a there's a huge difference. Monticello, it's, it's a little – well, it's a lot easier at Monticello. Competition's a little easier, and sometimes you can – you can kind of make a horse go faster than one of the other guys can over there at Yonkers. I mean, they're the best in the country on a half, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it's really difficult, especially when you don't drive one of the better horses in the race. And, you know, the classes are so evenly matched. And if you don't draw a post, you're, you're pretty much dead over there, especially with no passing lanes. So, you know, it's it's hard. Now, Austin, we've talked to drivers before about the different size tracks between the half, the five-eighths, seven-eighths, and a mile. Is there any strategy change for you when you switch from one track to the other? Oh, yeah. Um, I really haven't been driving that much over the big track lately. Uh, You know, not as much as I'd like, but, you know, when I have versus when I used to drive it a few few years ago to now, you know, I was never patient enough over the big track. You know, the half, you can get away with pulling early or coming early or, you know, going too fast to the quarter because you could still get, you know, your breather in there somewhere. Big tracks, you know, big track takes a lot more thinking, I think. 
Once again, visiting with driver Austin Siegelman. Austin, let's talk about uh, uh, a horse that you were driving coming up on Saturday night, a horse by the name of Control Tower. This is a horse uh, that you've driven, finished a good second last time uh, to Endeavor in leg two of the George Morton Levy. Here he is in leg three. Tell us a little bit about uh, this horse and maybe a little bit of what you're looking for come Saturday night from post number five. Uh, it's a nice horse. He tries really hard. He, he does lack a little bit of gate speed. And, you know, he did get beat by a better horse than him last week. I, I couldn't go with him. You know, when he made his move, I couldn't I couldn't keep up. But, uh, you know, he raced well. I didn't expect to beat that horse. You know, this week, hopefully, I'll get a second over trip. I don't think I will. But, you know, I might take third over trip this week or I might, you know, keep him on the rail and just race him for a little luck and look for some room late, but he never stops. And, you know, I'm happy Nick put me on him. You know, nobody really gives me a shot in any of the bigger races. Well, I got a feeling that's going to be changing coming up over the next couple of months, especially if you continue to hit the winner's circle. But I do have to ask you this, Austin. This is a question that I like to, uh, that we like to ask a lot of drivers that come on this particular program. And I think it's interesting, especially, you know, for all the gamblers out there listening. And, you know, I mean, listen, gamblers look at the program. They kind of try to map out in their mind how the race is going to set up. And I know a lot of drivers do that, but um, you know, when you get to the gate, a lot of times it could be a different scenario because as a lot of horses, you know, that leave that maybe gamblers don't expect to that, you know, look like a paper they're going to, but they don't, or they do. And a lot of times that happens to drivers where a lot of times you've got a race figured out how it's going to go in your head. And then you've got a couple of horses that are leaving that you didn't think we're going to how many how many times do you have to call an audible at the starting gate when actually the word go is given uh i'd probably say about 90 percent of the time especially at yonkers you know you get better horses and you know they're they're pretty different week to week the same horses that you drive some some weeks they're they really don't feel like leaving and some weeks they're dragging you out of there and you have to let them drag you out and you know look for a spot or look for the front but you know i'd say I'd say a lot of the time I'm out there just calling it audible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's the toughest thing I think. Um, Austin, let's talk a little bit about your career going forward. What, uh, where do you see yourself in, in a couple of years? Where do you, where do you kind of want to be? Maybe what's the big, maybe the big race that you dream of being in the winter circle in. You know what? I really don't have a big race <laughs> that I'd like to be in. It, it it doesn't matter. I just want to win races. You know, I'm solely out there to win. And, uh, you know, wherever it takes me, it takes me. I can't remember who we had on the show. It was a couple of months back, but I asked them the same question, and they said, the biggest race is the next race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right. I appreciate that answer. <laughs> Well, listen, buddy, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you. Uh, you'll be driving at Yonkers uh, coming up on Saturday. We'll see you in action at the George Morton Levy. I know you got a couple of others that you're uh, penned, uh, penned on uh, for that card as well. So we certainly look forward to seeing more of Austin Siegelman, especially in the big races, my friend. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. All right. That was Austin Siegelman. And, uh, yeah, Mike, you know, that's very interesting 
the you know because you know how we handicap Mike we we always try to figure out how the race is going to go we always try to figure out who's going to be where who's going to be first over second over in the lead in the pocket who's going to have to come from behind how the pace is going to develop and uh it's interesting that a lot of the drivers say you know that they have to make that decision and believe me it is a split second decision right at that starting gate when you kind of get a feel for what other drivers are going to do yeah, for sure. Especially if a horse to your inside is leaving that you maybe weren't expecting to leave. And that way you have to push your horse a little bit harder. You know, like he said, you, sometimes you have to call an audible and uh, change the plans up a little bit. Yeah, no question about it. And that's why, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, well, uh, gosh, this horse leaves, but he took him to the back or this horse usually comes from behind. And then this time, he, you know, they took him to the front. But a lot of the decisions are made at the gate. A lot of the decisions are predicated on what other drivers do. So, you know, that's kind of important. And I think it's important to keep that in mind as you're looking at the race, as you're handicapping and considering what horses have done in the past, too. Because, you know, maybe a driver has to make an audible and maybe there were other horses leaving and the driver had to take that particular horse out of the comfort zone. And, you know, that could very well be an excuse for a, a bad effort. Yeah, very much so. Cause then you can get the big value that you may or may not need out of those races and cash some, some bigger tickets. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking for some big value. I'll tell you we what, Garnet had one. Garnet had one uh, last week. At Mohawk, one of my favorite horses, actually knocked me out of the, the tail end of the pick four. Leafs and Wings, give it out in the DRF picks. I think he went off at 16 go. to 1 or something. Wow. Yeah. Well, Garner picks some long shots, buddy. I'll tell yeah, you what. He <laughs> he, he's always looking for value, and that's why he you know, scores on quite like, a few big yeah. tickets. And better than your $2 show, then. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Yes, very much so. Better than my two dollars show bet, Smarty Pants. Oh, we got to. You know what? We got to see if Shart if there's show wagering in the Sharton race. I think that's a six horse field. We'll have to, we'll have to check it I out. Got it, Smarty Pants. You'll be all over. It. You'll be all over that one. All right, let's see what else we got. We got Matt Kruger coming up. Very excited for this interview. Mike obviously was involved in a very scary incident last week at Pompano and is uh, and has been recovering and. Um, you know, so Matt's going to kind of give us an exclusive interview, tell us how he's progressing. Maybe we'll get some kind of uh, idea on when he, we could see him in driving action once again. Plus, Derek Gibner from the DRF will be joining us. We're going to go over the George Morton Levy Series leg three already with him. Plus, he is still alive. He's in the Sweet 16, trying to make uh, his way towards the uh, payoff round in the uh, third annual George Morton Levy yep. series presented by the Standard Bread Owners Association of New York and Janine Gessick, a two-parter pacing for the cure. We're going to hear from her around 1130 or so. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Matt Kruger is up next. Are you interested in learning more about owning Standard Bread racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a Standard Bread? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. 
Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers, and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second richest two-year-old filly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance, and new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. You're tuned in to the Bet America Radio Network. Host Jason Bean brings you new shows every Monday through Friday. We bring you the best personalities from across the racing world with extensive interviews, commentary, news, games, and more. The Barn is revolutionizing what horse racing radio can be. And you can hear new shows at BetAmerica.com or just search Bet America Radio Network on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. Get in the Barn. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. Mike Bozich, along Mike Carter. We've got Matt Kruger coming up on the on deck circle. He's going to be joining us in about a minute or so. Plus, we'll be joined by Derek Givner. And yes, he is a handicapping guru. He's going to take us through the uh, George Morton Levy series. That's coming up at about 11.15 or so. And then we've got a two-parter from our Pacing for the Cure segment this week, uh, this month. Janine Gessick will be joining us. She is going to be talking about autoimmune diseases and how they affect each and every one of us. Uh, of course, multiple sclerosis is a auto is an autoimmune disease and uh, so are a lot others a lot of very common situations that may surprise you so that is certainly a segment that you are not going to want to miss mike yeah coming no, up come here back. Uh, I hear, I yeah. Hear you. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I had to think. I had to think of what to say there. I caught caught the tail end of that conversation. I just needed uh, to hear. I, listen, I just needed to hear a noise. I just needed oh, to well, hear a noise. Listen, that's that's very sweet of you. Very very sweet yeah, of you. But we're about I to just talk needed to, to hear something to know that I needed to. I needed to hear something to know you were alive and well. Well, listen, we're about to talk to our man Matt Kruger, Mike, and we talked a little bit earlier on the show about how uh, every time one of these guys sits behind a horse, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, uh, Matt Kruger uh, was pretty seriously injured at uh, the uh, – I almost said the aisle uh, – at Pompano Park in South Florida um, last week. And, you know, it's just amazing to see the agility of some of these drivers and some of what they are able to do following an injury. No question about it. Absolutely no question about it. And like we talked about, these guys are pros. They make it look so easy going in and out of holes, oh, you yeah. know, making moves, going to the front. I mean, you know, they just make it look so easy that I think a lot of us as armchair drivers just automatically <laughs> think it, it's easy. And, you know, the the truth is, is that, listen, you're, you're driving uh you know, a, a very heavy animal going 40 miles an hour. And uh, a lot of times it's a lot more difficult than what it looks. Yeah, that's for sure. And we're going to bring Matt in now. And Matt, the first question I know everybody uh, is curious to know, um, how are you feeling? How is everything uh, shaping up on your end? And uh, I'm sure you're uh, obviously still sore. Well, to be honest, you know, uh much better than to be expected. Uh, you know, being only nine days since surgery, uh, I'm happy to be up on my feet and uh, pretty much, you know, just uh, getting over soreness. But uh, the pain seems to be uh, dwindling every day, and uh, things are looking forward, uh, looking much better. That's good. Tell us, uh, Mike Bozich here, Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the situation and, and what you remember from it as it was unfolding. Unfortunately, I never lost consciousness, so I remember all of it. But um, uh, the, people don't realize, you know, like especially going to the three-quarter pole, there's so much going through your mind. You know, you're looking to your right to see if first over is going to clear. You're trying to judge the two in front of you to see how much pace they have left. And, you know, you're listening to the guy behind you to see if he's coming off your back. So for a horse to drop all of a sudden when you're in the middle of processing all that's going on, you really don't have much time to react. So uh, I just remember uh, uh, somebody yelled. I looked back to my left. I seen a horse down in front of me, and at that point it was too late to do anything. And then the next thing, I'm in the air, and <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to choose how you're going to land. <laughs> and uh, being right-handed, you always tend to go to your right side. And uh, this landed on my uh, shoulder directly, and then I hit my head after that. Now, Matt, uh, we, we were going to try to get you on last week, but you had had a surgery uh, to repair your shoulder, and obviously you had a punctured lung as well. Um, what are doctors saying about that shoulder? We, do they think you'll be able to drive again? What's the uh, ultimate prognosis there? Uh, surprisingly, they put a rod from my uh, shoulder to my elbow, and then they plated and screwed my elbow because I had a compound fracture in the elbow, plated that all together, and... Uh, after surgery, the doctor said that he thought three to four weeks I would be able to start being active again. He said that pretty much, because I already had uh, two plates and 13 screws in my collarbone, so he said my pretty much right extremity is all metal and set in place. So he's uh, he's pretty confident that within three to four weeks 
uh, I'll start being active and then uh, just a matter of rehab and gaining my strength back. But uh, I should be back on the track sooner than uh, than most expect. Wow, that is terrific, terrific news. Uh, visiting with uh, driver Matt Kruger. Matt, let's, you know, a lot of questions that I get from, you know, from uh, people that, that don't drive horses, some racing fans, obviously, that have never sat behind a horse, uh, is what kind of visibility do you guys have behind a horse? I mean, you know, I think a lot of people kind of watch, you know, some of the Facebook videos where, where drivers put the GoPro on or, or uh, you know, some of the Twitter videos and that. But I always get the question about, well, you know, what kind of – I mean, you're sitting behind a horse. The horse is in a lot of situations, I mean, you know, kind of taller than you. So what kind of visibility mm-hmm. looking forward do you actually have sitting behind a horse? Well, I mean, you know, with the bikes that we use today, they're offset. So you're kind of kind of off to the left of a horse anyways. But uh, they are definitely a lot lower than the old Gerald's or bikes of the such. So you're definitely looking partially between their legs, and then you've got advantage to the left. And it's harder to see to the right, but you've got to, you know, move your body physically to, uh, to see around the horse. It's uh, not easy by no means, but uh, you drive a lot by sound as well. Now, Matt, uh, I obviously got to hang out with you some when we were down in Florida just a couple of weeks ago. But for those who maybe don't know um, who you are, uh, kind of talk to us uh, about, you know, how you got into this sport and uh, how driving kind of became your passion. That's what, you know, somebody said, oh, you're doing the Mike and Mike show. Uh, You almost had to die to get famous. (laughs) I said, well, whatever it takes. But uh, (laughs) I got I got I got I got a really late start in the business. My family's been in it uh, my whole life, but uh, I actually didn't start until 2013. Um, I've always worked uh, in the corporate world, and I got laid off for a short period, so I drove my first full full year of driving was 2013. And then uh, I went back to work and drove partially uh, for the next two years. So then in 2016, I decided, you know, I missed it too much, and uh, I left the corporate world to go out and to uh, drive full-time. But uh, my family's been in the business my whole life, you know, so I've been around it, you know, on weekends or whatnot. But uh started in Chicago, and then uh, three years ago, I had the opportunity to uh, come down to Pompano, and I met up with uh, Tony Alanya, and he was looking for a trainer, so I was a perfect fit, you know, train for him during the day and then uh, race at night. But uh, that's that's what got me down here to South Florida. Now, Matt, it's kind of interesting how you were talking about what you could and couldn't see uh, while you're out driving. I forget what the guy's name was I rode with, but I got a chance to take a training trip with you guys while I was down there. And I'll tell you what, I, I was getting pelted with stone dust and rocks, and I don't know how you guys do it every day. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> there's there's no good way of going about it. That's just part of, you know, things that you have to deal with. Um, visibility, I mean, on a, on a normal good night when the track is fast, it, it's not bad. But uh, if you have an off track, it definitely gets very difficult. And like I said, you know, you'd be surprised how much you drive by sound uh, in those situations. Visiting with Matt Kruger. Matt, looking ahead, um, obviously, uh, you know, hopefully you'll be back on the bike uh, within a month, three to four weeks. That's outstanding news. Uh, how long does it take you, you know, when when you have a an incident, a spill like that? I mean, is that something that, you know, is you're getting back into driving again? Is that something you think that's going to stick in the back of your mind? Or when you get out there, is it just going to be business as usual? 
You know, it's one of those things that you won't know until you go behind the gate for the first time. I've thought about that since this has happened. And I've known a few guys that I've driven with in the past that had bad accidents, and they never came back the same. You know, they were kind of like a boxer in the ring that was afraid to get punched. So you really don't know that until you go behind the gate for the first time. Uh, you know, I've always told people, they said, aren't you scared while you're out there? And I said, it's, it's, fear is never really a factor. I mean, I don't, if, if, if this is what you want to do, you choose to take that risk. But, uh, fear, my fear of failure, I guess, is stronger than my fear of getting hurt, you know? So uh, once, once, once you get behind the car, they say, go, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting things to go back to the way they were before. And then you just, you know, you got so much to process and, in a minute and 55 seconds or whatever the mile goes in that you're actually, if you're thinking of anything else fear, it's going to take you off your game. So, you know, I'm just hoping that uh, I come back the way I was, but I, I expect to. Well, you know, I mean, it's like anything else. Like when I was a little kid, I wanted to play baseball. And one of the pieces of advice I got was, listen, <laughs> if you don't want to get hit by, if you're going to be scared of a 90 mile an hour fastball whizzing yeah. by your head, this is, don't, don't play. <laughs> you know? right. And I took their advice. I didn't play, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, none, nonetheless, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, but real quick, before we let you go, let's, let's look at, uh, in the career driver, Matt Kruger, what, what are, you know, some of the things you want to accomplish as a driver, you know, before it's all said and done? I mean, you know, you don't get in the business and not have expectations or aspirations of making it to the top, you know, you know, I've driven with the best drivers in the country. You know, I had a good meet at Lexington last year, but you always want to get better and better. I mean, it's, uh, I got a lot of good opportunities since I've uh, trained for Tony Alani and I'm going to head up to uh, New Jersey with him here in a couple of weeks. And, uh, he's got incredible amount of great stock this year. And I just hope to get a chance to sit behind a few of these and, uh, just, you know, get put on the map, so to speak, because in this business, it's hard to get notifications, especially when you drive at smaller tracks and then you show up somewhere, people don't know who you are. But uh, my goal, you know, is just to get a chance to, to be in the big races, you know, and to be the best, you have to beat the best, you know. So I just, uh, that's my desire. No question about it. Well, listen, buddy, when you come on up to New Jersey, if you're ever around Harris, Philadelphia, make sure you come up and uh, and say hello. Matt, uh, we certainly Absolutely. appreciate you joining us, buddy. A fantastic uh, news that, you know what, that, that you're going to, you know, beat this thing and, and you'll Absolutely. be back sooner rather than later, buddy. That's awesome. Hey, I appreciate the time, fellas. All right. That, thanks, Matt. That was Matt Kruger. And uh, boy, Mike, that's really, really good news. But what about the quote? I know you were doing some quotes, Mike. I hope you got this one because I think this is uh, th- that, that was a, a heck of a quote that Matt Kruger throw at us. It's, you know, the fear of failure outweighs the fear of getting hurt. Oh, yeah, I got that one. The fear of that, failure that was outweighs one. the fear of getting hurt. That What a comment. And I'll tell you, three to four weeks. I mean, we've all seen that accident. I mean, just how bad it was, and we've heard of the injuries that he had. It's incredible that that's all it's going to take is three to four weeks to come back from that. 
Yeah, it certainly is. So hats off, man. Hats off to Matt Kruger. Hats off to the, the medical staff that took care of him. It sounded like they did a fantastic job, and uh, it's good to hear that we're going to see Matt Kruger on the bike very, very soon. Lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the United States Trotting Association. Derek Gibner from the DRF will be joining us. We're going to go through leg three. I can't believe it's leg three already. <laughs> the George Morton Levy series from Yonkers. So we're going to try to dissect that thing and uh, see if we can come up with some long shots there. Plus, Janine Gessick from Pacing for the Cure and so much more. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. And we'll be back in a moment. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's It's that that easy. easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. The Meadowlands racing season is just heating up with large fields, bigger purses, nightly promotions, and some of the greatest restaurants in New Jersey. There are plenty of places to catch all of the exciting action. First post on Friday and Saturday nights is 715. For more information and reservations, call 201-THE-BIG-M or visit PlayMeadowlands.com. It's been said that fortune favors the bold, and we're all in at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Join us as we kick off the live racing season with an epic fan appreciation weekend, Friday, March 29th and Saturday, March 30th, for champion harness racing, new bets, folder promotions, free family events, live entertainment, giveaways, and more, starting at 6.30 p.m. Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino is bigger than folder, and we want you to be a part of it. Visit HarrisHoosierPark.com for more info. Around the horn is the easiest way, the better way, and that is how we will go. Anything more? Are you frightened to go around the horn, Mr. Christian? Are you a coward too, sir? All right, it's that time of year again. We go around the horn as the racing starts to heat up, as we uh, are full blast into spring, or at least we're uh, getting there. Certainly we'll feel like that tomorrow and Saturday as we head into the summer. But grand circuit action in the the form of the Levy and Blue Chip Match. Maybe we're going to take a look at the Levy uh, Series Leg 3 coming up with our good friend from DRF Harness. He is the one and only Derek Givner. Derek, listen, we've got a training guru, so I figured we'd we'd have a handicapping guru too, and you're it. Yeah, I always shy away from using the term like expert handicapper or anything like that. To me, handicapper is a handicapper, and you know what? It's such a handicapping in general is such a living, breathing thing. There's so many different ways to look at it that I don't know. I don't know that there is such a thing as an expert handicapper. I agree because, you know, listen, there's so many different ways to look at a program. It's like, you know, it's, you know, it's like anything else. I mean, you get 20 people in a room, 20 people look at it and 20 people see it a different way, but I'm glad you mentioned, um, 
methods of handicapping because I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the harness eye. And I know that, you know, I, I think we went through this in the Meadowlands press box one day, but I think it's good for the public to know, especially, you know, the, the people that use the, the harness eye, because I think there's some good hidden gems of information that can really, really help you, especially when it comes to picking long shots. First of all, um, in the harness eye, there is a little number. It's between the speed figure and the odds. And that is, uh, we'll just say, for example, is uh, I'm looking at Apple Bottom Jeans here. Uh, plus one, six W. Can you tell us what that means? It's a track variant and the bias. The six W meant that six horses, you know, went wire to wire or took the lead early in the race and, and kept going to win the race. Uh, so it speaks to, you know, how the track was playing that day. And the other number is just a general track uh, variance as far as how fast the track was. So if it says plus five, that means it was five-fifths of a second faster than it would be on a normal day for, you know, that particular track. Okay, so the plus is actually faster. Yeah, the plus is faster, the minus gotcha. is slower. So if you if you see two horses, you know, coming out, out of a race at Yonkers and they raced on different days and one was a plus five and one was a minus five. The one on the plus five, that track was playing two seconds faster than the horse that was racing on the minus five track. So I'll just use this as an example. And uh, anybody that might just be looking at a harness eye at home, um, let's just look at Medusa. It is the uh, first matchmaker series race. Um, and it's, it's race four overall on the card. Now, if you look at Medusa's start two starts back, it, it looked like she was, well, she was on the outside. She was about four lengths off the lead at the half and three quarters and race mildly. Didn't really close a whole lot of ground between the three quarters and the top of the stretch. But if you look at the numbers that we were just talking about on March 15th at Yonkers, there were nine wire to wire winners. And I'm not really sure how many races were that day. I'll just say 12. There probably were 12. Um, but we'll just say nine out of 12 winners went wire to wire. So Derek, it's safe to say that speed was favored that day. And perhaps we should give Medusa a little bit of a look. Yeah. In general, it's safe to say that, but there's also some intricate detail behind that. I mean, was that a card of all stakes races, like all match hit maker, maker races where horses were going to the lead and going, you know, 57 to the half and they couldn't possibly lose? Were there a lot of one to five and, you know, three to five favorites on the card? So, I mean, listen, it's a, a general, it's a number that helps you give you a general idea of what happened, but I wouldn't use it as like, hey, this is the gospel. You know, I would go back and look at the charts for that day and say, you know, who were those favorites? Who were those that won on the lead that day? You know, were the, if they were all one to five favorites, then that nine W doesn't mean that much because the horses that were supposed to win did. All right, Derek. Well, listen, let's see if we can use some of that handicapping insight to talk about the um, George Morton Levy series coming up on Saturday. Uh, five legs on tap for Saturday and we're going to kick things off with the fourth race and how about the downtown bus last week put in a really gutsy effort unfortunately draws post seven this week uh, of course you have Beckham Tam, and Endeavor who's been kind of an interesting play and the wall it looks to uh, come back this week as well I'm mad at myself because I, I bet the race <laughs> with the downtown bus last week and I had the downtown bus on top and I did not have Beckham Tam because I refused to play him off the week before he was so bad <laughs> So a little oh, bit man. that. Um, that being said, uh, listen, 
downtown Bucks is going to have a tough time winning from post seven in this spot. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. I think most of the people will gravitate towards Beckham Zcam again. It's not going to be me. I mean, he was downright awful two starts back, had a perfect trip last time and couldn't win. You know, I don't see the rail as being a huge advantage for him without much speed. He's just not a horse that I could play in this spot. Let's move ahead to race number uh, five. It is the second division, third leg of the George Morton Levy Field of Eight. Rodeo Rock has just been absolutely on fire, and uh, now he draws post position number one, and that's going to make things very tough for his competition, and it's probably going to make him a pretty stout favorite. But there's uh, the always dangerous Western Fame, who uh, I don't know. I guess he 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 looked a little rough around that turn. I don't know last week, and he did battle back well. Uh, you know, it's not like he quit or tired or anything, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think Rodeo Rock is clearly the one to stop. I, I think maybe what did it to him is that uh, 27 and change third quarter at Yonkers around the turn. That isn't, uh, you know, th- those uh, quick fractions, they went 27 and change and then 27 and change again at Yonkers, which you don't see that often in back-to-back uh, quarters. Uh like, listen, there's no doubt about it that Dr. J. Hanover and Western Fame have the speed in here. They're probably going to go to the lead. Rodeo Rock's probably going to be uncovered again. But it, it just doesn't seem to matter to him. He just seems to be too sharp right now, just like every other horse that Robert Cleary sends out. Uh, I, would find, I would have a hard time going against Rodeo Rock. All right, race number eight, Derek, uh, is another uh, George Morton Levy series leg. And J.J. Flynn draws the inside uh, six for eight uh, this year with a mark of 50 and four. What do you make of this horse off the rail tonight, or uh, excuse me, Saturday night? I'm not sure what the, uh, maybe it's one of those things where if you, you didn't go to the wedding, you don't go to the funeral. Like, if you didn't have him <laughs> last week at 20 to one, are you really that excited to bet him this week at four to five? I, I, I don't I don't know that you are. I don't think there's a standout in this field other than maybe J.J. Flynn off what he did last week. Uh, I don't know. I would probably play against J.J. Flynn. Uh, the horse I was considering, you know, as of now, I can't give away all my selections because then I'm going to lose the uh, contest this week. Um, <laughs> but the horse I was considering is always at my place. I think maybe this is a spot where he can show some early speed and, you know, didn't get put in play. He really hasn't had much shots so far in the series. That's right. You you have to play close to the vest here in the Sweet 16. I forgot about that. Race number nine, leg four, the Levy series. You've got a, a another field of eight, and uh, I think, you know, this is more wide open. I mean, uh, I think the cops are coming to get you, by the way, Derek. But, uh, anyway, um, unless that's on your end, Carl, they're definitely coming to get you, but... Uh, <laughs> no. I'm in Manhattan, so there's a lot of cops here running down the block here. There you go. Uh, how about how about uh, a horse that's quickly turning into an ageless wonder market? So two starts under his belt now. I know a lot of uh, gamblers kind of like to wait for that third start off a layoff, uh, you know, to try to, uh, you know, take advantage of a, of a horse that's improving in form. Maybe Mocketso fits this bill. I was really trying to make myself a case for Mocketso, but I, I just – I don't know. I just couldn't get myself to, to pull the trigger there. I'm not quite sh- I'm assuming that he's going to have a new driver this week and that Tietrich's going to take the Jim King horse, duplicated. Um, the, the more I look at this race, the more I think to myself that how is anyone really going to challenge anything for love from the rail this week? I mean, you know she's, he's going to be leaving strong from the inside. I mean, uh, who else in this race looks like going to fire off the gate? Maybe duplicated, maybe the seven betters fire 
But, you know, at the end of the day, anything for love is probably going to be on a, a pretty easy read, it looks like. And does that mean that anything for love is going to be better than last week? Who knows? But it's certainly the race sets up nicely for that horse. I would like to see Market still win. I'm just not sure how the trip works out that he gets it done, but I wouldn't be shocked if he won. All right, the fifth division is race number 11, and Ideal Jimmy uh, has won 50% of his races so far this year, unfortunately draws post number seven. This is kind of a weird division with the fact that other than Ideal Jimmy, nobody else in the race has won more than one race this year. Um, It's kind of one of the more competitive races. How did you see this uh, shaping up? I am 100% not on the Ideal Jimmy bandwagon this week. I might even throw him off all my tickets, quite frankly. Um, I feel like he's a horse that got into a perfect setup for two weeks in a row. You get to the half in 57-2 and two and 57-4, and four, both times from inside posts. You know, this looks like a week-off week to me. I mean, this is a series where you have to start every week because you need to get, you get points just for showing up, but you don't have to race every week, so to speak. And uh, I, I see this as a week where he's going to be taking a little bit easier. Um, I think yeah, I'm looking at, you know, what's, Probably going to be more long shots in here. I think the five win song Leo is an interesting horse. You know, he made a break in his one start in the Levy. But, I mean, if you look at all his other lines, they look very competitive with this group. I mean, he won 20 at 37 races last year. I don't see any reason why he can't be involved. Even the inside couple of horses, Max Jackpot and Rocketon, both of them have some early speed from the inside. What's to say they can't sit a good trip and shake freely and, and win this race? Um, Bit of a legend was awful last week. I heard he had a little bit of a foot issue. You know, if that's cleared up, obviously he's a threat. It's a really interesting race and a race where I'm 100% throwing out the favorite ideal Jimmy. All right. So bold statement there by uh, Derek Gibner. And uh, certainly he's given a lot of hints. I hope his opponent's listening. He's certainly given a lot of hints as uh, who he may select as he uh, looks to advance uh, to the final four in the uh, money round. Well, you still got two more wins left, but uh, hey, you get to the final eight anyway with the win. But Derek, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, but we're not going to let you go before you uh, update us on what's going on at DRF. Uh, you and Matt Rose going to do the, the whole weekend preview thing again? Yeah, but before I do that, I will say one thing about the contest, and that this contest is a lot different than most handicapping contests because it's on a 3-2-1 point system for first, second, and third. So a lot of times you're not necessarily looking for the horse you think is going to win. You're looking for the horse that you think has the best shot to be in the money because mm-hmm. you don't want to miss a leg you know, and be wrong. So I, sometimes, I do pick different horses in this contest than I would if I'm going to the windows to wager. Um, because of that, because of the way the point system is. I think you got to pay close attention to the rules in life and, and what's going to give you the best chance of winning. Um, that being so let, said, so, 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 let me, so let me translate for you, Derek. If you're, if you're Derek's opponent listening out there, the, the horses that he mentioned is, have no way, shape, or bearing or form is going to be nudge the horses he selects in the uh, contest. <laughs> Some of them will be horses I select in a contest, but some of them won't because you, you, in some instances you're better off taking you know, the, the heavy favorite who you don't like in this contest than the long shot that you do because you don't get rewarded for a $20 win payoff. So all right, good that's stuff. All well, you, listen, you can follow Derek at, uh, uh, at the DRF Harness. Uh, you man that Twitter, right? You do a heck of a job doing that. Yeah, along with uh, my boy Greg Reinhardt helps me out a lot during the weekend, during the stake season, at DRF Harness on Twitter, DRF Harness on Facebook, 
drf.com slash harness on the website. And, yes, Matt and I are shooting a video today. We're going to do race 11 from Yonkers, which is the review we just talked about. And we're also going to talk about the uh, jackpot high five at uh, Woodby Mohawk Park, over $525,000 in the last race on Saturday. All right, that sounds good. Well, uh, hopefully we can take it down. Derek, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, also don't forget to uh, check out the DRF newsletter. Sign up for that. That's a weekly thing, and that's a, a fantastic publication. Derek, we appreciate you joining us, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. All right, that was Derek Gibner. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, looking at the harness side, Mike, you know, and I know there's quite a few different, I know a lot of people like to use TrackMaster, a lot of people just like to use the regular program, but the harness side is interesting in the sense that, you know, it gives you the speed figures. I think TrackMaster does too, but that that uh, thing that we were talking about right at the beginning, uh, and I think that's a Derek Gibner production. I think Derek does that himself and puts that himself together, but I think that's invaluable information of how many wire-to-wire winners uh, are on a particular car that can give you a really good idea of how the track was playing that day. And, you know, listen, that's a lot of information that people don't know. And we know, you know, that any kind of edge that you can get when trying to make a couple bucks at the races can make the world a difference. You know, I never knew what the, that meant. And I'm glad you asked because, uh, you know, you look at it and you're like six W nine W what the heck, what in the world is that? But, you know, you see nine wire-to-wire winners on a night, and you think to yourself, hey, you know, maybe that, you know, somebody like Medusa could come from off the pace and uh, provide you with a little bit of value. That's exactly what I was looking at. Mike, before we get to Janine Gessick, let's take a quick look at the matchmaker. Four divisions coming up on Friday, uh, and we've got a six-horse field in race number four. And we were just talking about Medusa. That's a a pretty good segue, because if you look too back, there it is, the nine wire-to-wire winners, okay, plus five means the track was a full second faster that particular day than it usually is, okay? And that was uh, back on March 15th, first start in about three and a half weeks for that horse. Then the horse comes back and races a decent third from post four, now gets post two, and is a juicy 12 to one on the board on the, in the morning line. Yeah, why not take a shot at 12 to one? The horse, I think, has a real big shot here, Mike, is the three, Queen Lostress. Uh Two starts back, nine wire-to-wire winners. We're going to use that uh, here as well. Um, and was come from behind. Against, <laughs> and come from behind to win. That's the key right. here. Uh, come from behind to win with Mark McDonald. Uh, stepped up to this level last week and just, you know, it was kind of a lackluster performance. I'm going to give Queen Lostress another try here and uh, see what happens. Well, I can't get off the gold orchid bandwagon. You know that. I've been telling this horse forever. And, uh, you know, listen, this is her uh, third start of the year. And, you know, she raced, I thought, really well last time. She came first over, and uh, she got outclosed in that race by better joy. So uh, if she continues going forward in a form cycle. But obviously the one that beats Apple Bottom Jeans. I mean, there's no show wagering in there because of her. She's looked very sharp uh, in her last two. She's uh, back at the uh, pylon. She's... Is she, uh, let's see. No, she's not undefeated with trainer Dylan Davis. She's got a couple of defeats, but she hasn't missed the board since trainer Dylan Davis has took over. And if you remember, you know, three weeks ago when we had Joanne Looney King on the show, we were talking about Sharpton. She mentioned that Sharpton's biggest obstacle in this whole series could be Apple Bottom Jeans, and she's been right about that because Apple Bottom Jeans has been on a tear, but, you know, we like to try to get some value, and there's not really going to be much value with her. So that is race number four. Uh, Let's see. Race six is the second division. Mike, you want to draw first blood on this one? 
Yeah, race number six, it's a uh, pretty wide-open division, a field of six. Obviously, Better Joy uh, stuck in post six, three to two on the morning line. Um, has Is coming off two wins and three starts, one of them being against the Blue Chip Matchmaker Series. And, Mike, it's interesting to me that we're going to go two starts back, that there were nine wire-to-wire winners, and this mare just got nailed at the line um, in that in that effort. So that's kind of an interesting little uh, tidbit. But a horse that I kind of like in here is the two ideal lifestyle has been no worse than second and has not lost a race by more than a length yet. I think ideal lifestyle sitting on a big one here. I will say this about this particular race. An ideal lifestyle is going to take some money. Better joy is certainly going to take some money from post position number six. But I will tell you what, celibate is a lot better than her lines have shown. I mean, a lot better than her lines have shown. And I know she's been dull, you know, but uh, I'll tell you what, you can't count out Peter Tritton and Jordan Stratton in that group. And I think uh, she is, you know, she can have a wake up effort at any time. She's going to be huge odds here. I don't know if she can win. I don't know if she can beat ideal lifestyle or better joy, but if you're looking for a long shot, maybe to put second and exact is third and tries, you may want to consider her matchmaker rolls on race number seven field of six. Mike, what do you think? You know, this is a, this is a race that kind of, you know, jumps out off the page at you as one of those that you're like, okay, I can go this way or I can go that way. And it's tough for me because it's a bunch of six horse fields. So you don't really know what some of those outside horses would do in certain situations, especially because in this field, you've got speed in the middle, you've got speed to the outside, and there's not a whole lot of speed to the inside. So you wonder what Brent Holland and Jordan Stratton are going to do. Um, This is, you know, a tough race. I like the five C Swift joy a little bit, but better be Chevron. Uh, who was fifth last week, had to come from off the pace on a week where a lot of wire-to-wire winners won. And then the following week had to come from off the pace. I think the inside draw will play to her advantage this week with Stratton in the bike. And I think this might be uh, your value play of the race. I think all systems are go with her, no question about it. And how many times do you see Jordan Stratton not drive a Pete Tritton horse? As a matter of fact, right. Austin Siegelman is uh, our, our good friend who uh, we Billy. had at the beginning of the show is driving number four. She's a GNP. But I'm agreeing. I agree with you. I mean, if you get nine to two on Better Be Chevron, I think that is way more than worth a shot here. I mean, I think uh, Angels Pride will be better with the post. And uh, Don't Think Twice is uh, obviously going to be the one to beat, as uh, Bartlett is no doubt going to fire her out for the lead. But, yeah, I'm with you there. And what about uh, C-Swift Joy, Mike? I mean, this horse overcame a parked mile last time to finish third in uh, 153-3. and And uh, she beat a lot of those horses that beat her. Uh, She beat them on the 15th. So, you know, certainly want to consider her as well. Yeah, for race. Uh, let's see, what is it? Race number eight, I think, is the fourth eight, and final yep. division. Race eight is fourth and, and final. Uh, let's see. Oh, no show wagering. Ugh. No show wagering for me. No show wagering. No fun. I know. Sharkton would have given you that dime all day. Well, it would either be Sharkton or Caitlin N uh, towards the inside. Obvious blue chip. The three best horses in this race drew, drew one, two, three. And then, of course, you can't leave out the uh, Bongiorno, game, Bongiorno gang with the four caveat Cherie. But Sharkton draws post number three. I expect Sharkton to get a much better trip this week. And, you know, if you beat Sharkton this week, you know, maybe you start to wonder, hey, is it is the series kind of taking a little bit out of her? But, you know, she's been absolutely dominant. She was only making her second start off the layoff last week, and then she got really roughed up, was three wide for over half a mile. 
you know, I, I, I don't, I'm surprised she was able to finish fourth and then she didn't drop back and finish sixth or seventh. So, uh, Sharton's my pick here. You got the harness eye open, right? Yep. Look at the comment on Sharton. Strange, tough trip. Wow. <laughs> Strange, well, she trip. was three wide at the half and three wide at three quarters. I mean, that's a that's a death trip, man. A Yonkers, I mean, yeah. you have to listen. You have to you have to you have to you have to have seven legs to win from that particular. For sure. Spot. So for sure, you obviously do. the trip is going to be better for Sharthan. I mean, it, I thought it was a game and gutsy effort last time, and despite that tough trip, Mike, she did not lose. As a matter of fact, she gained a length from three quarters to the top of the stretch. As a matter of fact, she gained two lengths from the top of the stretch to the finish, despite oh, that yeah. trip. So how, how, how good is she? Yeah, she's a monster. Um, if you ask me, uh, you know, she deserved to be closer than she was in Horse of the Year honors. But I'll tell you what, she uh, she's well on her way to trying to earn Horse of the Year honors this year. That's for sure. All right. So that was a look at uh, the Blue Chip Matchmaker and the George Morton Levy. We certainly appreciate the RFs, Derek Gibner, uh, talking about the Levy. And I'll tell you what, I, I didn't even think about that when I invited Derek on the program. But, uh, that you know, that that took a little bit for him to come on and talk about, especially when, you know, he's battling to get into the final eight. You know, and his opponent could be out there listening, taking notes. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> I know I would be. That's for sure. But uh, Derek tried to throw him off at the end there by saying, you know, he picks different horses because of the point system. And, you know, and he's right because, you know, it's uh, it's a, you know, you have to, in all handicapping contests, you have to tailor your picks towards how the point system works. Oh, for sure you do. And with the three, two, one point system, he's right in the fact that, you know, you want horses that are going to hit the board more so than you are winners consistently. I mean, of course, you're going to want, you know, a winner here or there to kind of boost your total up. But if you get five second place horses, that's 10 points. Sometimes that's enough to win it. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen, and we've seen some high point totals win and we've seen some low point totals win. So it right. just it really depends on, you know, what your opponent does. But, uh, you know, I think the best track to take in a in a contest like the Levy Tournament you don't want to get too fancy. Right. You don't, you don't want to get too agree. fancy. Don't get too Cause cute. It's a, it's a point system and it's based on first, seconds, or thirds. It's not, you know, based on payoffs, you know, so, I mean, don't get too fancy. I think that would be my advice to anybody that's still alive in the sweet 16. All right. We uh, are not done yet. We still have uh, plenty left to come on this edition of post time with Mike and Mike presented by bet America. We're going to hear from Janine Gessick from pacing for the cure. This is a two part segment coming up that you are not going to want to miss as uh, she talks about uh, some autoimmune diseases uh, other than multiple sclerosis that pretty much affects everybody so you're not going to want to miss it you got post time with mike and mike presented by bet america and the usta mike bozich along with mike carter for pacing for the cure do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your ms medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs pacing for the cure can help Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the Mobility Aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike, are you a harness racing trainer or driver? 
Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Winback Farms welcomes three new stallions in 2019. New to New York, Boston Red Rocks, one of the 2015 Dan Patch Award for two-year-old pacing colts, and a Breeders' Crown champion. New to Pennsylvania, 34-time winner Heston Blue Chip, one of the Dan Patch Awards for three-year-old colt pacers and a Breeders' Crown champion. Also the sire of the second-richest two-year-old Philly pacer of 2018, Zero Tolerance. And new to Ontario, my MVP, a proven sire of stakes winners, including Good Times Trot winner Wolfgang. For more information, go to winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bosich, along with Mike Carter. Right now, we are joined by Pacing for the Cures, Janine Gessick. Janine, welcome to the program. How are you? Great. Thank you, Mike. How are you doing? Well, doing fantastic. Uh, warm weather is here, so we are certainly appreciative of that. Going to have a very nice weekend. Let's talk a little bit about Pacing for the Cure. This is going to be a little bit of a different segment than what we do. This is going to be a little bit more informative uh, in terms of autoimmune diseases. And basically, uh, people might not know what autoimmune diseases are, and it's kind of an umbrella. Can you kind of take us through that and explain to us what an autoimmune disease is? Sure. Um, an autoimmune disease is one in which the body's immune system turns against its own tissue. So there are a number of diseases that fall in this category or where this happens, and we'll get to some of those a little bit later. But the primary purpose, Mike, of the immune system is the body's defense against disease and infection. So that's a pretty important role that the immune system plays. It's made up of different organs, cells, and proteins. Each one plays a specific role in protecting us from viruses, bacteria, and foreign substances. So um, what happens within the immune system is that um, these roles and this protection against um, disease and infection is how you might say, well, how does that happen? Well, the immune system can neutralize viruses, bacteria, any foreign invaders, and remove them from the body. So that's one important role. The second is that um, the immune system can recognize and neutralize any foreign or harmful substances from the environment. And also the immune system fights malignant cells, like in cancer, um, and other cells changed due to any other type of illness. So the immune system really is pretty incredibly complex. It's second only in complexity to the nervous system. It can be activated to bend against already known pathogens stored in its memory. So in other words, it it can recognize um, foreign invaders and respond quickly to them. Um, At the same time, it knows how to recognize its own cells 
so as not to work against itself. But in autoimmune diseases, we see the opposite reaction, where a foreign substance looks too much like itself, and then so it, it becomes ignored, and then the immune system reacts to that. It misreads it, and um, it takes these normal healthy cells and assumes they're foreign invaders. So um, in autoimmune diseases, the immune system activates a, a defense against these tissues. So in the diseases that we'll talk about, like MS, what's affected is the nerve cells. Rheumatoid arthritis, it's the joint. Um, in what the condition's called scleroderma, sclera means skin, it's the skin. So in many of these autoimmune dis diseases, it damages a particular area. Now, very, very complex. Yeah. Now, I think it's pretty common knowledge that the cause of MS is kind of unknown. But, uh, you know, as far as it being an autoimmune disease, I mean, is it an autoimmune disease? Yes, it's considered an autoimmune disease. Um, and similar to how I, how I described other autoimmune diseases, um, in MS, there's an attack on its own tissues. In this case, the attack is on this fatty substance that coats and protects nerve fibers in the brain and spinal cord. And that fatty substance, Mike, is called myelin. So um, in multiple sclerosis, you see damage to that myelin sheath. Um, and then that surrounds the nerve cells and that impacts your whole central nervous system. So that's why you see people with MS have problems with walking. And as their MS progresses, you see that getting, getting worse. So what happens is then as that myelin sheath is damaged, it slows the speed of messages then between the brain and the spinal cord and also to the rest of the body. So with that damage that's occurring, um, in your body, you're starting then to see symptoms of numbness, weakness, balance issues, um, trouble walking. So in MS particularly, the disease comes in several forms, and it progresses at different rates. So you might see uh, many individuals who appear to be walking fine and not have any, vis like, visible side effects. But um, in others, you might, you might see, you know, troubled walking or... Um, just with some, some basic uh, mobility issues. And, and some of the research is showing, too, even going back to a 2012 study that, and this is in the um, National Multiple Sclerosis Society, about 50% of people with MS need help walking within 15 years after the disease starts. Mm. So, um, you know, as you know, Pacing for the Cure, one of our goals is to really help people who need medical equipment and services, and it's because of that deterioration that can occur with multiple sclerosis is the reason we help provide um, that type of support. Now, obviously, under the umbrella of autoimmune diseases, you know, there's quite a few. Um, tell us about some of the, maybe some of the other diseases that are autoimmune diseases that aren't MS. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you um, sort of like the top five, um, but there are more than a hundred autoimmune wow. diseases. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty staggering when you think about it. And you know, so people might say, "Well, I don't really know much about MS," but I think that's why it's important to educate people about autoimmune diseases in general because 
you or a loved one or, you know, a friend may, may be impacted by it. So, and these statistics, Mike, are according to the American Autoimmune and Related Disorders Association. So it's AARDA.org. So approximately 50 million Americans, which is 20% of the population, or one in five, so again, that's one in five people suffer from autoimmune diseases. Women are more likely than men to be affected. Um, some estimates say that 75% of those affected, so some 30 million of the 50 million Americans are women. So some examples are um, of the common ones, type 1 diabetes. So in type 1 diabetes, the pancreas produces the hormone insulin, which helps regulate your blood sugar levels. In type 1 diabetes, the immune system attacks and destroys insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. Because remember, in autoimmune disease, it attacks mm -hmm. what is the normal and it assumes it's an invader. Um, so high blood sugar levels result, and those, that high blood sugar can lead to damage in blood vessels and organs like your heart, your kidneys, your eyes, and nerves. That's why people who have long-standing um, chronic, they call it chronic, diabetes tend to see, you see many um, complications of that disease. Um, another one um, you may have heard of is rheumatoid arthritis. In rheumatoid arthritis, the immune system attacks the joints. So this attack causes redness, warmth, soreness, stiffness in the joints. So it's not like osteoarthritis, which you hear typically in older folks. Rheumatoid arthritis can start as early as people in their 30s or younger. Um, so many of these autoimmune diseases, Mike, aren't um, appearing in the older population, but in many cases, you start to see them in, in young adults. A third type is psoriasis, or what's called psoriatic arthritis. And skin cells normally grow and then they shed when they're no longer needed. But in psoriasis, the skin cells multiply too rapidly. And so what happens is these extra cells build up and they form what's called inflamed red patches. And it has like a scaly-like appearance to it. Up to 30% of people with psoriasis also develop swelling, stiffness, and pain in their joints, which now you start to see some commonality and um, um, people with autoimmune diseases may be having one or more impacts. Um, and this is what you may have heard called psoriatic arthritis, so when the joints become affected as well. Another type um, is systemic lupus um, erythematis, which is SLE, better known as lupus. Um, so it was first described by doctors in the 1800s as a skin disease because of the rash it commonly produces. Um, it affects many organs, including the joint, kidneys, brain, and heart. So similar um, to what we've discussed before, there's joint pain, there's fatigue, uh, rashes are among the most common symptoms. So in a lot of these autoimmune diseases, you might see similar signs and symptoms. So it's not always easy to diagnose them either. And then a fifth common one, um, Mike, is inflammatory bowel disease, um, also called IBD. And this describes conditions that cause inflammation in the lining of your intestinal wall. Um, and there are two different, two common types, Crohn's disease you may have heard of, mm -hmm. um, and also ulcerative colitis. So those are our top 
um, five that are pretty common that people are familiar with. We'll have part two of Janine Gessick and the Pacing for the Cure segment coming up on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Pet America and the USTA. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun in wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. We're live back in the USTA studios. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. It's time to listen to part two of the Pacing for the Cure segment with Janine Gessick. Had a chance to sit down with Janine yesterday to talk about some autoimmune diseases, and the second part of that interview is now. There are some others, too. There's a few others that maybe people haven't heard of. Uh, Why don't you give us a few more? Sure. So um, the thyroid. The thyroid is the gland that, um, you know, that that regulates sort of your um, hormones and metabolism. So the thyroid is is impacted in in two ways, either underactive or overactive. So um, Graves' disease is kind of the medical term. Um, when there's there's too much production of hormones and it causes basically it revs up your metabolism it causes symptoms like nervousness a fast heartbeat heat intolerance weight loss um, some people even as that um, autoimmune disease progresses get what what is what they call bulging eyes mm-hmm. um, and that's again you know one of the hallmarks of it kind of going on for a long period of time. But the thyroid gland is in the neck. Um, another one is, um, is it's called Fodrin syndrome. And this impacts the glands in the eyes and the mouth. So it can cause you to have dry eyes and the dry mouth, but it also can affect joints and skin. So again, you hear as we describe these, a lot of symptoms that cross over many different areas. Um, another one is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So again, this is the thyroid, but the thyroid production flows to a deficiency. So instead of overproducing, it's underproducing. So you see some of the opposite reactions where people gain weight, they're sensitive to cold, fatigue, they have hair loss, um, and their thyroid kind of swells. So you see, and you see a a, a visible swelling in the neck area there. So you have the underactive and overactive thyroid. Um, myasthenia gravis is another one um, that affects nerve pulses that help the brain control the muscles. So when that 
the signals aren't um, connecting there, it affects the ability of the muscles to contract. So the most common symptoms with that is muscle weakness that gets worse with activity and improves with rest. Um, other muscles uh, that control eye movements, eyelid openings, swallowing, and facial movements are also involved. So um, that one has pretty broad-reaching impact. And then the tenth most common one is celiac disease. So you hear many people talk about, you know, eating you know, foods that contain gluten and how they have a reaction to that. Um, so people with celiac disease really can't eat foods that contain gluten um, because when the gluten is in the small intestine, the immune system, again, thinks that this is an invader and it, it causes an inflammatory process that inflames the whole gastrointestinal tract. So, um, so gluten sensitivity is not an autoimmune disease, but people with celiac disease have a negative response to gluten. So um, just wanted to make sure that I clarified that. Um, but the symptoms, you know, can be very uncomfortable. So abdominal pain and other things. So as many of these autoimmune diseases, Mike, really do, um, based on what you've heard, impact the quality of people's lives. So it's not even just with MS, but even with these other common ones, you see um, the wide-reaching impact that they have. Yeah, and these are just a few. I mean, there's over a hundred. I mean, honestly, we could sit here and 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 kind of go on all day about some of the you know autoimmune diseases other than MS that uh, you know affect sure. our uh, quality of life. But you know, let's talk a little bit about finding a cure. I mean, do you think finding a cure for MS can help to cure some of these other autoimmune diseases? Absolutely, and I think that's the exciting part of this conversation. And um, based on the research, based on the commonality of the autoimmune responses, there is, and even the researchers are saying this, progress against one autoimmune disease um, is really progress against them all. And um, because the underlying mechanisms in some of these diseases are so similar, and as the researchers are able to figure out how one works, it gives them clues as to how these others will work. So as researchers more fully learn how all these diseases operate, they can apply the right therapies to not only diagnose, um, because as I said, sometimes it's hard to diagnose them because the symptoms are so, um, you know, similar yet vague. And, um, but once they can nail them down, they can come up with treatments and cures, and ultimately, um, the cures can go across many autoimmune diseases. Also, um, some autoimmune diseases carry an increased likelihood of people having additional autoimmune diseases. So, you know, Mike, you think having one is bad enough? Well, believe it or not, there are cases where people have um, more than one autoimmune disease, and sometimes there is a linkage um, there could be a genetic predisposition that makes somebody with one type, like, for example, type 1 diabetes, um, is more frequently seen with celiac, as an example, because they share the same um, shared gene that predisposes for both of those diseases. So, um, so researchers and physicians now are starting to identify groups of diseases that cluster together. That's why I think also the impact on Finding a cure for one may help others because of this very fact. Um, 
So, you know, there's a whole host of them. As I mentioned, there are over 100 um, different disorders, but I think there's a lot of promising um, research that's being done that will hopefully benefit many of these um, in the future. Yeah, and if there is a, a silver cloud to this whole thing, a silver lining to the cloud, I guess it's that there are so many of these autoimmune diseases that maybe that can, you know, further research and put more urgency into the research of some of these things. Now let's talk about how pacing for the cure kind of gets involved. Your guys' role, our role actually. Um, how does pacing for the cure benefit autoimmune disease research? So, you know, we, we provide medical equipment and services for people who are having um, difficulty with their mobility needs. But the other exciting piece of what we do is we fund cutting-edge human immunology research. So a lot of the research, Mike, that happens in research labs is done on mice. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's been that way for a very long time. And the only problem with that is, is that the genetic makeup of mice is very different than the genetic makeup of humans. And that can be a future segment where I can bring an MS researcher to talk about just how different um, humans are from mice. But there is um, MS research, and I think that's what's important for those who are interested in funding MS research, um, that there are researchers who are focused on the human immunology research. And what that means is that you take blood samples um, from humans who have consented to have you look at the virus patterns and to see what's what's happening in the human um, genetic makeup so that as they're trying to advance to a cure, they're not comparing humans to mice, is that you're actually looking at the genetic makeup of of humans. So um, we're proud to say that we, we support human immunology research because we believe that that's going to help get us closer to a cure and that research is is looking very promising um so you know i think it's important that people understand when they hear the pacing for the cure supports ms research that they understand what type of research we do support and um hopefully you know this session today will educate people about autoimmune diseases and give them a better understanding for where the potential, you know, promise is for not only MS, but many other autoimmune diseases. Okay. For information on how everybody, all of our listeners, can kind of be a part of this whole movement to try to, you know, make a dent in these autoimmune diseases, to try to, you know, improve the quality of life for people that are trying to beat this disease, where can they go? Yeah, and, you know, Mike, I know people have a lot of choices out there now, right? There's a lot of organizations that are doing a lot of good work, and I think, you know, the one thing that we've consistently emphasized is we are here to support individuals living with MS, and um, as an all-volunteer organization, our funds go directly to help support people with MS and also to help fund the, the human immunology research that I just mentioned. Yep. So um, people can go to our website, pacingforthecure.org. They can click on the donate button, donate any um, donation. No donation is um, uh, is too small. They're all greatly appreciated and will we'll go to help a lot of people in the long run. So. Um, Thank you for this opportunity today to talk about autoimmune diseases, and um, hopefully we, we can have more education sessions in the future. 
Janine Gessick from Pacing for the Cure. Janine, we certainly appreciate it, and we'll check in with you next month. Great. Thank you so much. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. That was some cool, cool stuff. Great information there by uh, Janine Gessick from Pacing for the Cure. And uh, I'll tell you what, please make sure you go to pacingforthecure.org and and check it out for more information on how you can make a difference. And, uh, hey, we'll be seeing them, Pacing for the Cure, racetracks across the country. Special thanks to all of our guests today, Austin Siegelman, Matt Kruger, Derek Gibner, and Janine Gessick. We'll see you next Thursday with the first post of 1030 a.m. Good night, everybody. Can't stay here I know